Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Learning with Lauren podcast. I am so happy to have you back for this Wellness Wednesday. I know I missed an episode last week, but life was just a bit busy and chaotic. But here we are again, and I am picking back up on our agoraphobia series. So if you've missed the past few episodes, I have also just spoken about agoraphobia in general and what it's been like to live with agoraphobia. In last week's episode, I talked about being anxious and sober at the White House. Sorry, not last week's episode, but the episode before this one. And today I'll be talking about what it's like to travel with flight anxiety specifically and how this is one of my largest goals in my agoraphobia recovery. Before we get into that, I just want to give you all some life updates because I also want to talk about some other areas of wellness and just more of some lifestyle content once the Gorephobia series is over. So last week, I had a lot of life changes. I had my last day, my job, I was working in medical research, and I moved back home for the time being. Hopefully, I'll be moving back to LA in the fall where I'll be starting my master's program in public health. And I'm super excited to get more into the details of that and also talk about my future career goals because it kind of blends in with this podcast. So this is definitely enjoyment of mine and talking about my real life experiences as someone in my mid-20s and how I approach topics of mental health, wellness, and just overall education and navigating this crazy world that we live in and trying to find the silver linings and positivity and all of that. So this is definitely more of my passion project, but I have a much larger focus within like an entrepreneurial mindset that I hope to disclose with you all in the future. I'm really excited about my future career and what this new education in community mental health will bring me in the future. And I'm super excited to bring you all along. So if that's something you want to hear more about, please let me know. I guess I probably will be sharing it anyways. But if you want to hear more specifics about what the application process was like for a master of public health program, or also what made me decide to get my MPH versus going into another field in healthcare like PA school or med school or really any other jobs and what brought me to that, I'd be happy to share with all of you. But without further ado, I do want to get back into our agoraphobia series. I have a lot of videos that have been going viral on TikTok from last year actually about my agoraphobia and I really just wanted to build upon that series and bring it onto this podcast because I have had tremendous growth even since then. Today I was responding to a comment on one of my videos where I was saying that although I was going to work every day and I was committing to a 30-minute drive one way to go to work, how I was still scared to do drives that were uncomfortable to me And while they still might make me uncomfortable on certain days if I'm already having like a level of heightened anxiety, my thought process when it comes to driving is so much like lighter now. It is a huge relief and that is why I want to discuss today 
One of my next goals in my recovery, which please go listen to my first ever episode about agoraphobia because I did a little brief overview of the different goals that I have within this recovery over the past few years. And one of them was to get on an airplane. And I have now been on an airplane three times in the past like eight months to a year, we'll say. And I'm about to get on an even crazier trip. But I'll I'll get into all the nitty-gritty details. I always write myself an outline and then I go off the outline, but we're gonna circle back. So today's episode is about flight anxiety specifically. Because at least for me, I honestly think that my fear of flying kind of snowballed into this agoraphobia. Well, the fear of flying hit first, and then it was my fear of driving, and then I was just scared of everything. And I want to talk a little bit about what exactly is flight anxiety, and it's pretty simple. It's an anxiety or fear about flying on an airplane for travel. And just to give you all like a brief overview, I want to provide some statistics because I think it's important to realize that we're never alone. There are always so many people that you would never even realize that go through the same thing. So I got all these statistics from an article on The Social and that will be linked below. But first of all, between 33 to 40% of people have some degree of flying. And that's a lot of people. And this is a global statistic. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, fear of flying develops between ages 17 to 34. And I would love to like do some deeper research and see why that is the case. We are much more cognizant of things that we are fearful of. And like as a kid, I feel like most children don't really develop a fear until someone introduces it as a trigger to them. So personally to me, my history of traveling, I was a jet setter kid and I am very privileged to have experienced a lot of travel as a young child. And so it's really weird when I think about it because I did not develop this fear of flying. My first anxiety attack on an airplane was when I was 20 years old, yeah. which is just so weird because I was flying ever since I was a kid. And I know that's not the case for everyone, but I used to love traveling. So it's just very interesting. Would love to do more research on that. And then another statistic is that majority of fearful flyers have a fear of a lack of control. So not necessarily a fear of the plane crashing, but this lack of control is something that I personally relate to. I don't know about all of you, but everyone's always like, well, Lauren, you know, it's safer to go on an airplane than it is to go in a car. And I'm like, well, joke's on you. That's not my main concern. Even with the driving, my main concern is not getting an accident and dying. My fear is not having control over my body and the situation in the time being. So this fear comes from, you know, being stuck in a closed environment for however many hours I am there and not being able to get out. I mean, you cannot get out of the airplane. And that's scary. And I hope that while I'm saying this out loud, that anyone who has a fear of flying is not like freaking out because I definitely do not want that. I'm just speaking from the heart and speaking from my personal fears. And I will build upon how I am approaching pushing through these fears because it's definitely difficult. But I just want you all to know that the majority of fearful flyers have that specific fear of the lack of control. 
And so some common hacks just generally that people generally use to relieve their flight anxiety include meditation, medication, distractions, and sleep. And what I want to get into in this podcast is specific to what I have done, but also as someone who does not do well with meditation alone, does not do well with medications, distractions don't work for me when I'm in a panic state, and I just all around do not sleep in general. I'm an insomniac. So I'm doing this podcast episode for anyone who might be more similar to me and where these common hacks are not really as applicable as they might be to someone else. So according to the BMC psychiatry report, 20% of the population relies on alcohol or anti-anxiety medications in order to fly. So the fear of flying is actually very common. I know a lot of people who have it and I would have never guessed and they're like, oh, well, I just, you know, I pop a Xanax or I use this medication or I just get really drunk at the airport before I get on the airplane and everything's fine. And in a way, I'm very envious of them, but I also have spoken about how I'm coming up on a year of sobriety. And so that is not an option for me anymore. Also, when I had this fear, like I have not really been on an airplane like during the years that I was 21 and now sober. I feel like that didn't make sense, but I turned 21 and then the years after that, I had a fear of flying. So I have not had the opportunity to drink on an airplane. And then the recent flights that I've had have been during my sobriety. So I have not tried that method, but again, I think it's really important that we have an open and honest conversation on how we can really develop ourselves and focus on wellness without needing to be medicated or needing to rely on alcohol or substances. I think it's a really important conversation. And I say all of this not with a tone of judgment, but more so just for anyone out there who these are just not options for them. So those are the statistics that I personally enjoyed and find really helpful to start off our conversation today. And then I want to talk a little bit about my history with traveling. So as I mentioned, I've been traveling since I was a little kid, and that is all over the United States, different road trips. I went to so many different countries in my adolescent period. I said that like as if I went to like 30 plus countries. That is not the case. But I went on trips with my parents to like the Scandinavian countries. I went to France when I was 16 years old for a school trip, which was super cool. I've talked about that in my blog post and some other videos. And it was so weird because I just was that kid who would look at other people and be like, why are you scared of flying? Like it's one of the coolest inventions in the world. And it's so fun. Like takeoff is just thrilling. The adrenaline is like coursing through your veins. And then I was definitely that teenager and young adult who would play my little sappy music when we're like landing in a new place. And I'd be like bringing on my whole new persona. Like There was a moment where we would go to New York for Thanksgiving. It was just for a couple of years. I think it was when I was in high school. And I was like, I'm a New York girl. Literally would start playing just like any like gossip girl soundtracks and I 
just loved it. I, I thought traveling was the coolest thing in the world. I thought it was something where I could learn about other people and other cultures and their food and just really immerse myself in that experience. And I thought it was beautiful. Like I, again, am so grateful and privileged that I've had these experiences. I got to study abroad in college. I went to the University of Oxford for a summer. So got to go to the UK and then did some other European countries while I was there. And also had the amazing privilege of going to Beijing, China for free also as a college trip that was specifically meant for us to learn about the history of China, the different cultural differences between the eastern side of the world and the western side of the world and apply that to our leadership. Like such amazing experiences. And during each of those, I never once had the thought of oh, I might not be able to do this because I can't get myself in the airplane. Like I had the complete opposite feeling. So now we hit four years ago. I guess my actual fear started in 2018 on an airplane. I was visiting family in the Midwest and on the flight back, I just, I lost it. I, I don't know what it was, but I, I just got really fearful. And that was before like me knowing that I had general anxiety so I had no idea what I was feeling, but all I knew was that I didn't like it. And my first philosophy was like, my first prediction, I should say, was that maybe I developed this fear because that year I hadn't flown as much as I normally had. Like even if we, I was just going up north to like San Francisco or like going somewhere, I was always just like getting on an airplane. And so I thought maybe that was the case. And I, I just still don't really know what triggered this whole agoraphobia but all I know is that it snowballed and it got really really bad I had four years we'll say of time where I refused to get on an airplane I just had this fear and I remember telling my therapist I said actually I told my therapist this when I got back from DC so this is after going on a flight and it went well nothing nothing bad happened it's nothing bad ever happens. Just remember that. I told him, I said, you know, that was great and all. Really happy that I tested myself, but I will never willingly get on a plane again. Like I would never schedule something for myself. I was going to DC because it was this opportunity I could not pass up. But I went from being a person who was planning our whole vacations and like doing it all within a couple months because I was just so spontaneous to being someone who was like, no, I would never like purposely go on an airplane again if I didn't have to. I was like, I live in Southern California. Everything's great here. Like I'm telling myself this narrative, which like is positive in a way, but I was like, why would I ever need to leave this area? It's beautiful. It has everything I could ever need. I'm comfortable. That's the key word. And why would I put myself in a state of discomfort, even if that brought me this great experience that traveling is I just I no longer saw the purpose of that and like flat out it's just like crippling anxiety and depression obviously right but I really truly believe that and I remember he just like looked at me and he was just like well that's like sad like that like that's not something that I should want for myself especially knowing that I'm someone who was the complete opposite before so I I still I went on another flight after that to Seattle but again it was so I could visit a school I went to go visit UW and 
that flight was actually way worse. It was like two and a half hours. And I still after that was like, yeah, no, I won't be doing that again. No, no, no. <laughs> but believe it or not, I scheduled a trip to Italy for a month from now. And I am literally losing my mind. I don't know if my friend that I'm going with is going to be listening to this, but like every day I'm like, oh my God, what happens if I need to like pull out of this trip? We're never going to be friends again. And I'm telling myself that it's not an option. One of the practices that I do with my therapist during this agoraphobia recovery is I told him that like the only thing that I don't psych myself out about is going to work. And this was like a year ago, but I told him, I was like, you know, it's not like I can call out every day and be like, I really just don't feel well today because of my mental health. Like, that's just not an option, you know? Like, I have to commit myself to going to work, being there all day, and doing what I have to get done and working for someone else. And he told me, he was like, you know, although there's all these activities that you should be able to enjoy, until you get to that point, you need to tell yourself, like, oh, you have to go. Like, I told him one of my most, like, panicked environments is the nail salon for some reason and now I've come to realize that a lot of people feel that way I've seen videos on TikTok and I think it's funny because I'm like damn like I thought I was the only one but going to the nail salon like I'm so fidgety I hate it I hate that I can't be on my phone you know I don't have that distraction that takes me out I'll put a podcast on I'll put music on but it's just not enough and like usually I'm not talking to anyone I'm usually there by myself I'll make a little small talk with whoever's doing my nails but like usually we don't talk to each other for very long and I just feel like I could just jump out of my body and I hate it so we've used that example a lot and been like okay treat the nail salon like it's my job literally and that sounds so sad like it sounds like it's like a chore but I had to tell myself like yeah my nails look busted I can't be walking around looking like this I have to go to the nail salon I have to sit through it and every single time I've survived and sometimes I enjoy it. I still don't necessarily do, but the joy that I get from accomplishing it is all all the while worth it. So this ties into this traveling. Like I said, last year I was still having issues with driving. This year I told myself that one of my goals was to get myself an airplane, and I have. So in a way I was like, check mark, that's done, but I have to keep doing it. I have to like not hide my wants just because they make me uncomfortable that was a weird word of weird way of saying that but I was looking at all these pictures in Italy and I have this time off between my job and my program and I was like jokingly telling my friend I was like wow I would love to go to Europe and I was telling her I was like how delusional would it be if I just like went by myself And she was like, oh my gosh, we should go together. I have that whole month off too. And I have the money to do it. And what's crazy is, you know, I've saved up this money and I still was like, no, no, like, I don't want to. Like once it became reality, I was like, that's scary. I'm still scared to this day. Like, what if I get sick? What, what if I have a panic attack on the airplane? You know, that flight is long. We're flying from L.A. to the East Coast, our layovers in the East Coast, and then that flight is 10 hours over the Atlantic Ocean to Italy. I'm trying not to get in my head about it, but I've been in my head about it since before we even booked the flights. 
So that testimony is going to be huge. But we're going to focus on the word testimony. Every single recent travel experience that I have had that I was unable to do in the last three to four years is a testimony to my bravery, my courage, and my recovery. And it's a testimony that life is worth living and the joys that I received from each of those experiences is worth the discomfort that I know I will have when I'm on that airplane. Another exercise, it's that you need to be accepting of the negative feelings that you might have in any experience. So I know that I'm going to be uncomfortable on the airplane. That's not going to change. And it's probably not going to change anytime soon. That's just my like current mode is just being anxious and being uncomfortable. But I can be aware of that. And for me, it's like, okay, then what's my game plan going to be to keep myself as sane as possible when I'm on that airplane? So some things I did when we went to Tahoe, we'll start there. I'm going to go over my recent travel experiences and my different lessons that I learned on each. When we went to Tahoe, that was my first flight in three years. That flight was only like an hour, 15 minutes. But that was so scary. That was the scariest trip to me. And it's so interesting to think about it because I'm sure other listeners who don't have this fear might be like, what? Like, that's like a blink of an eye. You literally turn on an episode and you're done. Or my mom always says, like, they don't even have time to do the drink service. Like, they don't even have time to do the snack service. And I knew that. But still, I I was so scared and I cried. As soon as we got on the airplane, we were flying southwest and, you know, it was like normal seats. I was sitting in the middle and I was so claustrophobic, which claustrophobia, if you didn't know, is actually a branch of agoraphobia. The more you know. And the plane just felt so small. It was hot. I didn't feel the air going on me. I was nauseous. I hadn't eaten anything. And I just I wanted to get off. As soon as we got on the plane, I wanted to get off. But I turned on an episode of something as we got in the air. And I tried distracting myself. And it kind of worked. And then the flight back, I actually, I remember I watched the last episode of From Scratch on the way back. And I was sobbing my eyes out for another reason. And it was fully distracting. I mean, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so messed up mentally after watching that. But I was not focused on the flight. So that was good. And I had an amazing time in Tahoe. I'd never been there before. And it was for my birthday, and I just had a great time. I was really happy that I got to experience the beauty that it was. I don't know. It was great. So then we have the D.C. trip, which I talked about in my last episode. But the flight itself, I booked in under 24 hours. I didn't have time to be nervous about it. It definitely obviously crossed my mind. And we had an early morning flight. I barely ate, but I had a lot of snacks with me. And... We did get more comfortable seats. It also was the only thing that was available. So we flew Delta. We got the Delta like comfort seats. Or I think it was the exit row. So we had more leg room. And I highly recommend that if you financially can afford it, I felt so much more comfortable in those seats. I felt like I could breathe. But it definitely wasn't easy. The flight felt long. I remember we hit like three hours. And I was like, damn, there's three more hours. That's insane. But I was thinking in my head, like, wow, I'm really flying right now to go to the White House. I was getting in that state how I said I was before where 
and I put the music on. I'm all in my feels, like super emotional. And I was, I was just so proud of myself. And the craziest thing about it, I remember everyone was like, Lauren, you should be so proud that you're invited to the White House. And I was like, of course, that's such a big deal. But no one talks about like the personal goals that you have and how those feel as well. Like little did I know that that was going to happen to me. But in that process, I got myself in the airplane six hours away when the only goal I had last year was to just get on an airplane to go up to Northern California. Like God is good. And I survived again. So I had that anticipation on the flight there, which was super helpful. But on the flight back all day long, I couldn't eat. You know, my stomach was upset. I felt like I was going to pass out because I wasn't eating. And I was so nervous. I, I did not want to get on the airplane. And I remember my heart rate when we were going to security was like 150. I just really was down bad. I was not doing well. I have an amazing friend who's a flight attendant. She is an angel. She has helped me so much. I don't even know if she realizes how much she has helped me because she normalizes flying more so than like just someone who's a passenger. She is on an airplane all day long for her job helping people all day long she helps people also who have this anxiety that I have and has conversations with them and every single time I fly she's always open and available to message me also one of my other hacks personally for me is I will always buy the wi-fi or well usually when I fly like there's always messaging available so I'll do that but it is worth it to me for my comfort to be in contact with people that are like on the ground so if you can do that I highly recommend now I'm like thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, it'd be super great if I could like start a like donation bank for anyone who like can't afford an upgrade or like wife on an airplane. So we'll think about that. So yeah, she's been really helpful and she honestly got me through that DC flight. I remember when we took off coming back to LA, the plane was doing the the plane goes side by side I forget she told me what it's called but I was freaking out I was like oh my god we took off and we're going down and I was losing my mind it made me so dizzy and nauseous oh it's for the tailwinds that's right and she told I like told her what happened I was like why did it do that and she was like oh like that means like there was like heavy not tailwinds I don't know what I'm saying but there were like heavy winds and so they were doing that to counteract the winds and the pilots are just making it a safer ride and I was like, okay, okay. Like, that's so helpful that she expressed that to me. And I know now there are so many pilots on TikTok who are making videos explaining similar things for people like us. And it's amazing. It's incredible. And then my flight to Seattle, like I said, was actually the worst experience out of all three. It was a three-hour flight, which LA to Seattle, I never realized it took that long, which I think also like I got in my head about so I didn't really realize that until like the day before and I was like wait what like I was thinking it was gonna be like two hours I was like oh perfect a movie and that's it yeah no and I was flying with my parents and you know I love them but they're not really the most comforting people when it comes to my anxiety because simply they don't feel it themselves so I was on my own and I had just had a breakup the day before I got on this flight, which definitely made it worse. And I felt like I was like, oh, well, I can't like he would text me during these things, too. And I was like, well, I don't want to like bother him in the same way. You know, like I don't want to like 
text him my every thought on my mind. And also, I think it was important for me to get used to what it was going to be like when I'm on my own, you know, and like learning to support myself. And that's something that I'm still going through right now, which I would love to talk about. It's one of my future podcast episodes in this series is like navigating relationships when you deal with this level of anxiety. But that flight was a lot. I was emotionally worn down. I We were going on a trip to see a school where I was deciding if I was going to move to another state and like live on my own. So I think that's why. And so that brings up another important topic of life triggers and how they can have an effect on your anxiety and your recovery. That's why therapy is super important. So you can like regulate your thoughts and navigate life with someone who is trained on how to help you like regulate your feelings and guide you to a state of self-regulation and self-love. And these topics are very important to me. And I think that they are at the core of the mental health movement and the wellness movement as well. And that therapy is not something that should be stigmatized. And if you need it, then it's great for you. If you don't need therapy, it's also great for you. It's just great to speak to someone who's a third party in your life who can look at things from a different perspective, but more so be a mirror and you can really think about like life events and how they can affect you on a day-to-day basis. So that was a really long-winded explanation as to why the flight to Seattle was crazy. But again, I survived. So after that flight, I was also again like, no way in hell am I getting on an airplane if I don't have to. But here we are getting on an airplane again in a month. That is a testimony yet again. So the trip to Italy. You guys, I'm trying to be excited about it. But the reality is, and I'll always be real with you, is that I'm scared for my life. And I want to talk about some of my own traveling tips. And again, these common hacks that people talk about and why they don't work for me and how I'm trying to approach this as I plan a trip, a very large trip to another country. Meditation. I do use meditation as a helpful tool, but when I'm in a mode of panic, it's not helpful to me, if I'm being honest. Like the breathing I can do it. And at least it's like a distraction. It's bringing me to a different part of my mind. But when I'm like shaking, when I'm having full physical side effects of my anxiety, the breathing is not going to be enough for me, at least definitely like not in its own right. Now, I don't do this, but I do think there's a lot of power in practicing meditation every day and how that lowers your level of anxiety and all those hormones in your mind to prevent a panic attack. So that is something that I do think is important. Medication. I am very not into medication at all. I used to take a Tylenol PM when I would do a long haul flight just because it was uncomfortable. I had a back surgery when I was in high school. So I did not have a fear of flying when I was that age, but I would get insanely uncomfortable and I would get in a lot of pain sitting on the airplane. So I would knock myself out. And And it worked. I literally, I remember when I flew to London, I did not even know when we arrived. 
which is not good. It's actually funny. My flight attendant friend like always tells me, she's like, yeah, we're iffy on meds. <laughs> Obviously, if something does happen to the plane, like you need to wake up and you need to like get in gear, you know? But recently, I don't know what it is, like a Benadryl, anything that makes you sleepy heightens my anxiety. My senior year of college, when when I had the flights to Hawaii, I had a panic attack the entire flight, both ways. The first flight, I took like a sleepy, I say sleepy Dramamine, but I took like a normal formula Dramamine because I was scared of like getting motion sickness, but also I knew that it was going to help me sleep. Problem is... When you have a lot of anxiety and then you put a drug in you that has a sedative effect, if your body does not want to go to sleep, like my body was in fight or flight, it was not good. Like I remember I just kept like like getting like the shakes and like jitters and they call it like clonic movements. I I forget what it's called. And I could not describe it otherwise than being like, I feel like I'm going to have a seizure. The entire flight... I just, it was an out-of-body experience. I could not watch anything on my screen. I couldn't sit still. It was horrible. And now every single time that I have a drug that has a sedative in it, like during the day, honestly, even at nighttime, I, I I don't tolerate it. So I've always been scared to even take medications that are meant to relax you and put you to sleep that are prescribed, like for anxiety. Because I just know that it's it's not going to go well. And I would rather sit in my anxiety in my natural state on the airplane than like fighting a drug and then getting in my head of like that lack of control of like, oh, my God, what's this drug's half-life? How am I going to survive on this airplane? What if something medically goes wrong? Because now in my head, something can medically go wrong. And I can't change that. Like now we have two lack of controls happening. And to me, just not worth it. Now, I say all that, but I don't know yet if I'm going to ask for something to help me on this flight to Italy because I I genuinely don't know how I'm going to do it, but it's going to need to be something that fully knocks me out. So I'm calling myself out already if I'm going to be a hypocrite, but I will be honest with you all on what I end up doing because that trip is going to be the biggest testimony of my entire quarter life crisis. And then distractions. Distractions have been the most helpful to me. Again, though, in a state of panic, even when I'm not on an airplane, I can't focus on the TV. I can't focus on my phone. I can't focus on things because I'm I'm just literally like fighting for my life to get out of my head. But a distraction is at least distracting one piece of my mind. And that's what I tell myself. So I try to download movies on my iPad or, you know, Make sure I'm on a flight that has in-flight entertainment and just something that's going to be like really funny. Like I don't like to watch scary movies and things that are meant to make you anxious or scared. So I try to keep it light. I'm also very excited for my flight to Italy because I'm going with my best friend and I'm like, oh my gosh, we can talk to each other the whole flight. So my travel tips, I've given you some of them, but I do think... Like journaling and making a Pinterest board or watching videos about your destination is really helpful. Like trying to trick your mind into thinking this is not a soul anxious experience because it's not. Like I know once I touch down in Italy, I'm probably going to have the best experience of my life until we get to the day before we have to come back because all I'm thinking about is the flight. But two days, so 
the day that we're flying out there, the day that we're flying back, two days of discomfort for 10 days of this cultural immersion and like being in a new country and traveling and having a new shared life experience with my best friend is worth it. Like the two days are nothing in comparison. And so I really am trying to get into a positive mindset of thinking about it in that way. And also knowing that my other travel experiences have really been highlights of my life thus far is important. And if you're someone who's like, no, like that's just not applicable to me because I'm never getting on an airplane and it's not worth it. I really challenge you to just think of like when you watch a movie and you're like, wow, I wish that I could do that. You can do that. There's never anything that you can't do if you put your mind to it, which is such a cliche and basic thing to say, but it's so true. Even if you are like pushing through an anxiety attack and pushing through physical symptoms of panic, I promise you that you really still could do it. Another important concept that I'm talking about my therapist a lot, but another important concept that we discuss is like, are you physically capable? Which of course there might be people who are not, but if you are someone who has anxiety and you are physically capable of walking around the block, but you're telling yourself, no, I can't do that. It's too scary. You still can do that. You can technically do that. Like I know for me, if I'm like really nauseous, but I know that it's in my head and I'm like, no, I can't eat this meal. That just does not sound good right now. I still physically am technically able to do that. And it's such an important reminder and just bringing us back to the simplicity of it all and the basics and just know that your body is capable of doing so much more than you really think that it is. Your mind is just tricking you. So some other tips that I have is just think about the benefits of traveling and think about being able to tell yourself later in life, like, remember when I was so scared, but... I went on this crazy trip and I ended up having the time of my life. Like, I can't believe I did that. Because the other thing, the prize at the end of this is not just going somewhere else. The prize is also telling yourself that you did it and having the mental trophy that you accomplished something that you never dreamed of. And it really does mean a lot. Even now, Again, I'm scared for this trip, but I'm like, whoa, I did do those three flights. I almost forgot about it, but I'm like, I did those three flights in the past year and I I accomplished all of them and nothing bad happened, knock on wood, but nothing bad happened other than me sitting in my discomfort and I can live with that. And I just want to leave you all with that. My last final tip is going to be Really sitting with all your feelings wherever you're at in your recovery and feeling them. This applies to so many life experiences, whether it be heartbreak or grieving or just any big life change, is to really just be aware of the exact feelings that you are having in the present moment and welcome them. You know, that feeling happiness, it knocks on the door. You're going to open the door, invite them into your house and have dinner sadness comes to your door you're also inviting them in having dinner with you anxiety just welcoming every single feeling at the door 
and really trying to understand it, whether that be through journaling, through cognitive behavioral therapy, through conversations with your friends, through meditation, whatever it might be for you, I find it so vitally important to understand your body, understand your mind, so that way when you're in an environment that triggers you, you know what that feeling feels like and you know what specifics that you need to engage in to combat that or also just to sit in it and know that the last time you felt that everything was fine and it eventually went away. And also know that another feeling is right around the corner and is knocking at your door and that might be happiness, that might be joy, that might be courage, it might be bravery. It might be something that is really great once you push through the discomfort. So I hope that this episode you found helpful. I talked about a lot more than I think. So I hope that you all still enjoyed it. I kind of went off of my outline a little bit. And this is a longer episode than I have recorded recently. But I am so happy you all listened today. My next episode, even though I talked about it a lot in this one, is going to be about the power of therapy within agoraphobia recovery and what it looks like to work with a therapist to go through these fears. Someone like myself, I have worked with a couple during this time and also have had periods during this time where I did not work with a therapist and I was doing things on my own. So next episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, but I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Please, in the next week, do something for yourself. Journal, feel your feelings, and challenge yourself to do something that you didn't think you could do. And leave it in my comments on my Instagram, Learning with Lauren podcast. Leave it in the comments on this podcast and share it with your friends and family and see how many people are proud of you. I'm already proud of you. But again, thanks for listening. Give a like to this episode if you loved it, and I will catch you next week. Happy Wellness Wednesday.